Chapter 17. Casey slammed the manual shut at dinner time, tempted to throw it across the room. There was nothing here. I mean, nothing helpful. There were four ways to tell if a book was about to become a biter, two protocols for determining if a new book needed archive-level security, and seven strategies for encouraging the book louses to mate. Ugh, it was useless. She set her head down and let her sorrow and anger overwhelm her crying. Jerry was missing, and the whole world, it was upside down. If the library wasn't safe, what part of Underhill was secure from Faye doing whatever moonlight prompted them to do? It was like a return to the old world, where the threat of iron had made Faye turn violent. She cried into her sobs lesson, and she could take a deep breath again. She scrubbed her eyes and folded up her apron, hiding it under the desk. In the back office, the door was ajar. She peeked in, and Gilmore was awake, reading a book. The sight of him with a book in his hands was odd. Paint a picture, it lasts longer, he drawled, looking up. She flushed. Of course he'd heard her walk up and then noticed her staring. If he could hear her heart pounding from feet away, then her footsteps must be like shouts. I, I didn't know you could read, she replied without thinking. He smiled as if he enjoyed her jabs. I've been known to read, once or twice. He set the book aside and stood, stretching, his lithe, muscled body on display. Are you leaving? Yep, time for dinner in my own rest. She left before he had gathered his things, always afraid of how loose her tongue was with him. She flushed. That made her think about kissing him and the way his teeth had felt against her tongue. Warmth filled her. Her mind knew it was best to keep her distance, but her body kept forgetting. At the front desk, she closed the manual in the ledger, and she stood at the front door waiting. When he came into view, she yelled, Good night! and slipped out the door. She locked it behind her and tried not to feel like a coward as she hurried to the dining room. She constantly teetered over the edge of something more around him. The tunnels were full of fay, and it was almost enough to let Casey relax her guard. A tremor seemed to pass through the floor, and she stopped, head tilting, listening to the mountain. But the sensation was gone. The warmth and noise of the dining room helped her shake her mood. Iona was already there. Casey sat across from her. Hi. Hey, Iona said, shoveling another bite into her mouth. I can't stay. I have to get to a fitting. I was just so hungry. Well, take a pocket in your apron. Casey suggested, nudging one towards her friend. Then you can eat on the way or maybe afterwards. Oh, good idea. Iona jumped up and fled. A minute later, Finbar slid next to Casey with Farrell across from them. The twins were covered in dried mug mud and looked exhausted. Hey, where was Iona headed to? Finbar asked. More work, Casey replied around a mouthful of stew. What happened to you two? It's been raining, Finbar groaned. The hounds still need their exercise, though. <laughs> you look like you've rolled in the mud. Yeah, well, we kind of did, Farrell replied, grabbing some wine. A litter of hounds came two days ago, and we've been acclimating the others to their scent which means we have to parade the hounds by their stall and then let them work off the energy. Casey nodded. Fairy hounds were extremely protective of their territory, even toward puppies. It took weeks for hounds to accept interlopers. It was great for hunting, you know, the occasional white stag or magic rabbit, but not so good for the new litters. Well, at least your mud has dried. <laughs> it's going to take forever to get it all off, Farrell groaned. First we eat. 
Finbar shoveled stew in his mouth as fast as he could. He kept panting, too hot, too hot, but eating all the same. He slammed his spoon down and jumped up. I got the first bath. Then he hurried away. Ugh, troll's balls, Farrell cursed. I didn't think of that. Guess you're stuck with me, Casey grinned, showing food in her teeth. He grunted. Someone broke out in song near the fireplace, and they listened to the rise and fall of the warbling sprite's voice. Casey's stress over Jerry lessened a couple degrees with the song, but urgency it still thrummed through her. She took a glass of wine with her dessert. Hey, do you remember talking to me at the last revel? She asked him. What? The last revel. You and I, we talked. She tried to read Farrell's expression. There was a moment when his eyes widened and he looked down at the plate and said, Well, you and I, we talk a lot. You admitted to loving Iona, Casey whispered. His eyes got wider and he leaned forward. Keep your voice down. I'm already whispering, she whispered, grinning. That's still too loud, he hissed. It's best if we don't speak of it at all. Because if you never speak of it, then you don't have to worry about it. His cheeks pinked and the tips of his ears were bright red. No, you prying troll, because it hurts too much to talk about impossible things. He set his fork down hard. You can't understand. Well, have you talked to Iona about it? No, he snapped. You know how brownies are. If we talk about it and later change our minds, it'll devastate her. He swallowed hard. I'd, I'd rather be around her and say nothing than say something and lose her. So self-sacrificing, Casey set her spoon down. But have you ever stopped to consider what Iona might want? What? He looked up. I mean, yeah, brownies don't tend to have flings, but you aren't even giving her the chance to tell you what she wants. She cracked her neck. I mean, by not talking to her about this, you're making both of you upset. She could talk to me, Farrell said stoutly. Yeah, because you're so easy to catch on your own, Casey retorted. I mean, you'd practically flee her. What if... What if she doesn't feel like I do? Casey thought briefly about hitting him. She settled for sighing loudly. Well, then you're an idiot, too. He flushed darker. I, I can't. So let me get this straight. You'd rather sigh and moan about her privately than take a single chance to see if you have a future together? Casey demanded. Yeah. He snapped. She leaned back and stared until he dropped his gaze. And then she said, I would have never guessed you were a coward. He jerked in his seat. Well, fuck you too, he snapped. I don't have to sit here and let you berate me about something you can't possibly understand. He stalked away, leaving his mess for her to clean up. Her conscience twinged as she hauled their dirty dishes to the kitchen. She didn't regret saying something to Farrell, but she probably could have been nicer about it. But her every word was truth. He was being dumb by not saying anything. I mean, it wasn't that he was afraid of commitment. He'd loved Iona since they were in their teens and starting to first venture out of the palace nursery. He was finding out if it was unrequited. Or maybe even of her saying yes and then changing her mind. It clearly looked like a mountain to him. But she saw it as a ditch to work around. She walked to her apartment. Mom sat on the sofa holding a hairbrush as she sang to it. Casey could feel the magic winding through the bristles in the wood, urging strength, flexibility, and no pain into it. Casey, come sit by me. 
Mom sat the brush down and patted the cushion next to her. Casey sat and curled her legs under her dress, yawning. How are you? Sit like a lady. Mom swatted her with the back of the brush, but lightly. Grumbling, Casey straightened her legs. I'm not a lady. Well, I worry about you in that library, interacting with all those high fae. Mom could be ferocious about her opinions. Will you interact with high fae? Casey replied. I am an accessory in their background. There was no bitterness in Mom's words like there would have been in Casey's, she continued. But you, you help them. They see that you can read and think for yourself. Mom shook her head. That's dangerous. Jerry is a good buffer. Mm, yeah, but he's missing, isn't he? The queen mentioned it twice today. Mom stated her eyes glinting, so she knew. Casey nodded, and Mom now narrowed her eyes. And I heard that Lord Gilmore is standing guard over the library at night. And I do the daytime, Casey finished. We have to keep the library open. Interacting with High Fay one-on-one is dangerous. Like she didn't know. Casey bit her lip. Yes, ma'am. Don't ma'am me, Mom snapped. Let the High Fay take care of High Fay. We stick to our own kind. You will stay home tomorrow. Casey's hackles raised, but she kept her expression blank. I was charged by Lady Gita herself with this duty. She was an adult, not beholden to her mom's dictates, but she didn't want to play that move until she had to. Mom pursed her lips. Can you say you're sick? Casey gave her a look. Lie? No. I don't like this. Casey stood, her nerves prickling. Well, me either, but this is my job. We should find you a new one. No. Fury rose swiftly and Casey walked away, shutting the bedroom door before she could say something sharper. She immediately, though, waded into another wedding conversation about the types of flowers the bride's dancer should wear during the ceremony. It helped her calm down from her mother's presumption, the anger slowly ebbing away. By the time her eyelids were drooping on their own, everyone but Kathy had come in. The noise lulled Casey to sleep, curled in her straw mattress. Someone called her name, and that jolted her upright. She stood, swaying in the darkness of her room, her heart pounding. She had heard someone say her name. She could have sworn that she had, but it was the middle of the night, and no one else was awake. Slowly, she climbed back into bed.